This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Finding Your Bliss with host Judy Liebrach. Heard every Saturday at 1 p.m. on Zoomer Radio. We are back with actress and singer Mag Ruffman, who has just mounted a one-woman show that is coming to Toronto again on December 15th. I've spoken to many people who said that in your one-woman show, Self-Help Cabaret, you were mesmerizing, riveting to watch, gorgeous on stage, your singing was incredible, and your acting really, really off the charts. What was it like putting this show together, Mag, and what propelled you to finally do it again after all these years? And what, and what was involved in the preparation? Because that's a, that's a major task to put together a one-woman show. Yeah, it's it's something. I find that I like to get the songs first and then kind of write around the songs so you know kind of where you're going. I don't, you know, I talked to you about this two, two falls ago. Remember, mm-hmm. I phoned you and said, I'm in trouble. Like, yeah. I am just in trouble. I need to talk to you. And you helped me through um a, f- a bunch of exercises, but you basically got me to recommit to the idea of doing a one-woman show, which is like, why do I even want to do that? What do I have to offer that is interesting or fun? Oh, and, so much. <laughs> well, as it turns out, it's quite funny. My life has been quite funny. And I, I went through some pretty interesting stages where I was like so committed to following my intuition that I would like, if my intuition said, put a piece of pizza and a Diet Coke in a phone booth at Parliament and Gerard, I would do that. I would go and do that. Like, I, it was a little, I, I, I felt a little mad, actually, but I felt so alive. And so when you are following your bliss or following your intuition, you're just kind of on fire. You feel, you feel, yeah, a little crazy, but who isn't? And... So Maybe true. somebody needed that pizza and that Diet Coke. I mean, yeah. there were a lot of rubbies around that area at the time, and I, I went and did it. One, t- one time they said, go to High Park with a notebook and sit there till your spiritual guides start dictating to you. <laughs> so I sat there for a whole afternoon, and pretty soon... I started to hear voices. <laughs> My analyst told me. So anyway, you know, it's just, there's so much to every single human life. And every story is brilliant. You Absolutely. know, every story is fascinating if you really sit down and pull stuff out of a person. So it's harder to do when you're pulling it out of yourself. But you did something very important on that phone call. And I remember that phone call now that you're reminding Mm -hmm. me. And I said to you, part of coaching is there has to be an accountability factor because I'm going to be waiting, waving a flag for you and really holding your vision and your values and your dream. So you have to just let me know. And by, I think we said something like... December 17th. At midnight. I needed to have an outline. An outline. And you sent me not only an outline, but it had costumes and it had pictures and it had props and it had uh, song choices and it it could have been a book. And it was so, it was so beautiful because you really, um, I just deeply acknowledge you for doing that Mm. because you really did it. Mm-hmm. And you and you actually had a blueprint for your show. Yeah, because of you. Oh, I don't think so. I totally. Think it was totally because of you. It was I mean, totally it's changed <laughs> a lot, but it was. It, if I hadn't had that little nudge, because when I went to write it, just you know, a, a month or two ago, I was like, I don't have an outline. Wait a minute, 
I did do an outline. <laughs> you know, having an outline for anything Helps is so, so critical. Much. Yeah. So, Mag, I'm going to ask you now if you're oh. ready oh, sure. to sing live <laughs> that song that I love so much and that I know our, our listeners are going to love as well and that, that whole Discovery class loved. And it's called Bernadette. And I, we're not even giving you a standing mic. I think you're just going to do it no, right I'm here in your seat. Here. It's so I think be fun. I think we're ready to play the track. Okay. on a Saturday afternoon it's not such a bad thing, right? Isn't it a beautiful it's, song? When you do it, it is a beautiful, song. I mean, it's so song. tender, that little it's, girl. I mean, it's such a story that she saw this thing and <laughs> get all verklempt. <laughs> no, I'm verklempt too. <laughs> I don't know how to spell verklempt, but I, I really like the feeling. <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah. That was beautiful, Meg. Thank, Thank you. you for Thank that. you for asking me to do that. Thank it's you for that. Fun to revisit so much. that song. Yeah. So you know, ballads are really nerve wracking, aren't they? Because <laughs> you're feeling stuff and you're having to communicate a lyric. Yeah. I found that a little tricky every time I've ever done a ballad. So there we have it. Well, you killed it. You oh, did well. fantastic, and I just love that. And I thank you so much. You've done so many interesting things in your career. I mean, how did you go from being an actress and a singer on, on, I actually want to, I want to get to Anne a little bit because I have okay, to say. Okay, I got the story you're going to love. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 go, I, I have to say this one thing. When I was reading the cast list for the CBC, ser, CBC series, Anne of Green Gables, it was a veritable who's who of Canadian theater. Many of these people, names like Megan Follows, Colleen Dewhurst, Marilyn Lightstone, who's right yeah. here at Zoomer, Charmaine King, Jane Eastwood, of course, Meg Ruffman, Cedric Smith, Richard Farnsworth, Rose 
Rosemary Radcliffe, just to name a few. What was it like working on that production? Oh, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I was so intimidated. The first day of, of Road to Avonlea, I was like, oh my God, Jackie Burroughs? I'm playing her sister? <laughs> like, it's so, what? I mean, she's like a heavyweight, you know? Yes, yes. And, um, and all of them were just so good. Now, the, the, Good thing was that I had grown up next door to R.H. Thompson, like oh. three doors away. So, and so our families had been friends and I, so that was a, an easier relationship because I just kind of knew him, even though he was a bit older than me, but I, I felt, but honestly, so wow. intimidating. <laughs> the first day, I didn't know, I didn't know how to cry on camera. I didn't have any technique at all. I was really, I just a gift, you know, to have to learn all that. You played Olivia King on Road to Avonlea, mm -hmm. and that lasted quite a long time. Seven years. That's incredible. Yeah, seven years in a corset. Seven years in a corset. Yeah. Were those corsets hard to wear? Uh -huh. <laughs> we take them That's... off at the end. Jackie and I got so, oh. we were faking that we were wearing corsets <laughs> by the seventh season. We just stood up straight and wardrobe, I don't think wardrobe knew. They probably knew, but we would just sit up straight. That's hilarious. You know, because those things move your liver around in a way that isn't necessarily a, a happy thing. place for it to be. Yeah. But Road to Avonlea, what, what was that like? Like, was that heaven? Heaven. It was heaven. It, we all loved each other m most of the time, except, I mean, th there were some fights at three in the morning <laughs> when it's minus 30 and, you know, we're all just freezing and crabby, but, um, but mostly it was family. It was, it was family. And I still see them from time to time, the ones that are still around. And, um, and I, I love them. From so my bottom great. of my heart, so I just great. love them so much. And it was so fun. It was such a fun seven years. That's so fantastic. Yeah. And so wholesome. And there were always kids around. So nobody ever really had a meltdown or swore. Or Everyone was on their best behavior and kind Pretty of lived much. the values of kind the Anna of. Green Gables and of Avonlea time. That's so incredible. Yeah. Now you... In your typical inimitable uh, Mag Ruffman, who really is Mag Ruffman through and through, and there's no pretense and there's no anything. And you, whatever you do, you succeed at. But you also change directions and do the next area of your career with with a plum and yeah, equally and great a, and like and plumbing and, pl um, and plumbing. Yeah. So plum. <laughs> so so just in a nutshell, what happened was my intuition told me to go to San Francisco. I met. And it was like I had a week off in the first week of uh, the first month of Avonlea because the carpenters weren't finished building the set. <laughs> so they gave us a week off. I, I go to San Francisco on the to a party party. I meet a man there. Three weeks later, we got married and he was working as a contractor. So I just whenever I was in San Francisco, I would go to work with him and I learned how to do you know, contractor things. So, so that's how that works. And that's Daniel, your, yeah. your husband of many, many years, who's actually here in the control room. And yeah, he's a, it's, it's our 30th wedding anniversary. But nobody Happy thought the marriage would last the winter. I mean, literally, you don't marry somebody you've barely known, but it felt right. You know, like yeah. my intuition said, you should marry this guy. And I'm like, okay. After three weeks. Yeah, and I wasn't, no, I wasn't even there for three <laughs> weeks. I was here shooting Avonlea and then they gave us, I had four days off in a row. I went back. I said, would you marry me? And he said, yep. <laughs> and we drove to Reno and we got married at like 830 in the morning because it was, he only had one day off on Thanksgiving. So yeah. So this was exactly 30 years ago. We're pretty we're about much. To have Thanksgiving. Well, it was American Thanksgiving, not Canadian Thanksgiving. Uh, 
which sadly Americans don't honor. That is so incredible. I, you know, Mag, whatever you do, you excel at, whether it's acting, singing, producing, writing, organizing, knowing the difference between an adjustable wrench and an open-ended wrench, you do it all with that Julia Roberts smile and so much generosity of spirit. To what do you attribute your success in, and grace, really, in all that you do? Well, first of all, an open-ended wrench and an adjustable <laughs> wrench are both open-ended. Oh, so I think no, we just, I, I need to talk to you about your talk. know-how. But, uh, and now I forget the question, but like, honestly, you just try things. You try things and try to get over yourself, you know? Yeah. yeah. Don't take it too seriously. Yeah. You know, I, my screensaver on my computer is no big deal. You know, just be that person who says no big deal and see if, that is a better person than the one that was making a big deal. And usually you'll find that the no big deal approach is better. I want to, I want to thank you so much. I think you're, I think that our bliss is having you on this planet. You are a light. You have helped so many people. One day we're going to talk about the mastermind group. We're going to talk about that in a future episode and how much happiness you've brought to many, many people. And we'll let people know what that is next time. Okay. But, uh, but you, you bring bliss to people when you sing and when you perform. And I'm so thrilled that you're doing this self-help cabaret on December 15th at the Social Capital Theater. So excited for it's that. It's a great, there's a bar. You can just like hang out and then oh. I'll sing and dance a bit. I'm so excited. Yeah. I want to thank you so much. Meg for being here today. I can't believe that our time is up and it's been so wonderful having you and having you sing has just you been You made such me a- feel so relaxed though, Judy. Judy does breathing exercises with her guests before the show. Thank you. So I was very relaxed. And thanks to Jen Loudon and and her wonderful books that are available on Amazon. And I also, of course, want to thank everybody here. Producer Phyllis Newman, production coordinator Valerie Stanton, technical producer Faz Quasi, technical producer in studio today, Duncan Briggs, and to Jane Cabagatin for all of her help this week and to everyone here at Zoomer Radio. I'm actually going to close out with a short meditation. And I'll ask you if you're driving to please pull over to the side of the road, turn off your engine. Open a window and close your eyes. And here is our closing meditation. When done from a place of integrity, meaning being the adult you are, not the child or adolescent you may sometimes play, this meditation can attract anything you desire into your life or release anything from it you don't want. Sit or lie back comfortably with your eyes gently closed and take in a deep breath through your nose and exhale slowly and evenly. Take in another deep cleansing breath and breathe out. And one more beautiful cleansing deep breath right in through your nose and out again through your nose. And after you are relaxed, mentally count down from seven to one, relaxing more deeply with each count. And we can do that part together. So seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. And on the count of one, find yourself in your safe place and invite your higher self to join you with integrity and sincerity, and without any desperation or self-pity or doubt, just ask your higher self for some help. Be willing to receive the help you've requested 
And don't try to direct or judge or predict how the help will come or how your request will materialize. Just allow it to do so. And whenever you feel ready, close your mental eyes and mentally count from one to five. One, two, three, four, five. Take in another deep cleansing breath. And open your eyes, your physical eyes, and return to the room. Wiggle your fingers and toes and put a gentle smile on your face and have a beautiful afternoon. For all of us here at Finding Your Bliss, I'm Judy Liebrack, reminding you all to take one step closer to finding your bliss. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. Finding Your Bliss, a one-hour show that helps people find and follow their bliss. I'm Judy Liebrach, and I'm so delighted today to welcome actress, singer, comedian, and star Mag Ruffman to the program. She will be guest starring on the show for the full hour and singing live on the program coming up later in the show. Mag's new hilarious one-woman show is titled Self Help Cabaret, and we're going to hear all about it. And it also provides the perfect segue to my next guest, Jen Loudon, author of eight books and someone I've been a longtime fan of as well, as she was one of the trailblazers of the self-help and self-care movement. I was able to speak with her about two of my favorite books of hers and all about her latest book, soon to be published, coming out early next year. But first, it is a true honor. That's Absolutely correct. <laughs> and a privilege to have Mag Ruffman here in the studio. You will remember Mag as one of the stars of CBC's Anne of Green Gables and Anne of Avonlea, where she first made her mark. Then she became the tool girl in a series of DIY home improvement shows, hosting a repair to remember and another series called Anything I Can Do. And along with her regular column, Tool Girl in the Toronto Star, she really became the do-it-yourself queen. She also was the host of the TV talk show, Men on Women. She was a longtime guest star on Frantic Times and has been in a bevy of television programs and films, including Happy Christmas, Miss King, Goosebumps, and Murdoch Mysteries, just to name a few. But it is in this latest incarnation in her one-woman show, which is ironically where she started, that her brilliance as an actor and as a singer is really shining through. If you have a question for Mag Ruffman in the next hour, please give us a call at 416 416- 
3600740 or 18667404740 Mag love that no you're here No plumbing questions <laughs> no though plumbing. please no plumbing. That's what I usually when I do radio shows they want to call in and talk about plumbing which I love I do love plumbing but it's so hard to describe fittings <laughs> on the air. So we're not going to do really that. That's really impressive. That's, that's just one more thing to add to this impressive <laughs> list. I love that you're here. Welcome, Meg. Thank you for having me. It's very fun so far. <laughs> Meg, you graduated from University of Toronto. Mm-mm. No. No, I was three courses short. Oh. Sorry. The research probably didn't tell you that. That's okay. I don't actually have a phys ed degree. But okay, continue. But you did some phys ed. I, I did four years of a phys ed degree. Oh, my goodness. I know. And then you I have all- tro- trouble finishing things. <laughs> Just, you, you, if you saw my basement, you'd understand. But yeah, no, I didn't quite. But go ahead. Go ahead. But, okay, well, Let's we, pretend I well, graduated. Okay. Well, th- they should give you an honorary degree if they're listening right yeah, now because you certainly deserve it. You've made them one famous. Of those. It would make my parents happy. <laughs> so you studied phys ed. Mm-hmm. And suddenly in second year university, you're playing the role of Puck in a production of Midsummer Night's Dream. And it's as if you're whisked away by a band of fairies mm-hmm. and catapulted into the land of musical theater, never to return back to the gym. And you hung up your sneakers for a pair of character dance shoes. What happened? Well, it was so much more interesting to be <laughs> in musicals than to study anatomy and physiology and uh, learn to blow a whistle properly. So <laughs> I really didn't. No, it was my tribe or not. Like with phys ed, I wasn't sure. And as soon as I ran into this group of wacky musical (laughs) producers and performers, I just went, oh, I'm home. I'm home. Had you been doing this since you were a little girl as well, like at four years old? Yeah, I wrote scripts, um, really bad sort of soap opera scripts where (laughs) somebody always died by gunfire at the end. They are very dramatic. (laughs) So, but yeah, I mean, singing and dancing and making up stories, it's, it's what little kids do, but then some of us don't grow out of it. Right. So fantastic. Now, when you ended this period of university, you plunged right into musical theater, but unlike most people, and you hadn't had any training or anything else, and you won the talent competition, the Demorier Search for the Stars, which is equivalent to American Idol. Yeah, it was our, uh, yeah, it was, right? that was the day. Yeah. But and- I mean, honestly, <laughs> it was such a fluke. I mailed my tape in at like 10 minutes to midnight on the deadline day. <laughs> I, I was so disorganized and they picked me to be on their first show with 18 people. And I did some singing and dancing, and then they they voted by mail in those days. <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, and and they picked me as one of the six winners. That you know they don't get it down to one. Back in 1980, they they decided they honor six people. So that was really and fun. So we did so- another TV show. Yeah, and and then. You yeah. mounted a one-woman show, singing and dancing show called Mag Ruffman Entertains, and a producer noticed it and put it on at a downtown Toronto dinner theater where it ran for four months, and the critics loved it and said you had star quality, which you do. And some of the emails I've gotten about your one-woman show have said exactly that Aww. in your one-woman show, Self-Help Cabaret, which we're going to talk more about. But what was that experience like being catapulted suddenly into the professional theatrical world? Uh, 
it was fun. <laughs> I had a moped. I rode it to work every <laughs> night. And I had a wonderful piano player named Mark Lukashevitz, who uh, just was fantastic on the piano and I sang and danced and it was a little odd to have a regular job like that. Um, I'd only done one other professional show, which was Hello Dolly. Wow. At the Limelight Dinner Theater. So, Oh, I remember it well. I love that place. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. It Actually, was... I had also done Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. But really, I don't know how I've <laughs> ever gotten anywhere in life because I don't think ahead. I don't plan and things just unfold. And my new one-woman show unfolded because of a series of unfortunate events that left me thinking I better, you know, I've probably only got 20 or 30 years left. I better get doing this, right? You and so, I have talked about it for about yes, a decade. For a decade. And and that's why I'm, and by the way, I'm just going to tease right now that coming up later in the show, there is a song, and I just want to tell the listeners this, that you sang about eight or nine years ago, and this was going to be the precursor to your one-woman show that never happened until now. And the song was called Bernadette, and it was at a discovery class at Elaine Overholt with all of our friends, and we were sitting there, and you were on a bar stool singing this song, and everybody was weeping and mm. so blown away by not only your voice, but by your acting, by your presence, and your believability and you just took us away to this other place. And I've never forgotten it. I'm so excited because I think coming up later in the well, show. You talked you, me into you... <laughs> singing it today. So let's all hope it goes well. I'm really excited because it's going to yeah. be live, everyone. So oh, it's going to be great. So can you tell us a little bit about the show, Self Help Cabaret, which is coming back December 15th? Right. So um, all my life, I've studied self help books. I've taken courses. I've signed up for seminars. I've done webinars. I've, I've really studied all the books and all the programs. <laughs> and I, I, it's almost like an addiction. I keep trying to fix myself. Right. And I finally, so the subtitle of my show is for when you can fix anything but yourself, because <laughs> it's been going on for some time. It started when I was four and I saw, I thought I saw the Holy Spirit, which is oh. like, um, part of the big, Holy Family Trinity thing. Yes. And um, it changed my whole life because I then I tried to be good. So he would come back. Wow. He, I f was pretty sure it was a, it was a blob of light that must have been a he. Wow. Um, so I saw, so my, my entire life has been affected by this experience of trying to be good because I had had this. So, so that's why I really like the song of Bernadette because she saw the, the queen of heaven and she, yes kept it to herself and I saw the Holy Ghost as the so Anglicans cool. call it. So, <laughs> so the show just takes you through the hilarious pitfalls of trying to be a better person yeah. and never quite nailing it. <laughs> well, I've, I've heard people and you did it in Toronto and then you workshopped it again in Orangeville and it's coming back on December 15th to what theater? Social Capital Theater, which is a wonderful little t theater above the Black Swan on uh, Danforth near Broadview. And how can people get tickets to this? They just come. 
Just come. Yeah, it'll just be a pay what you can. It's my third performance. I'm not, I, I don't want to be really ripped off, man. It's like, wasn't that good? So if they did pay what they could, then maybe the resentment will be lower. Plus, I use karaoke tracks all through the show to sing to because I think it lowers people's expectations because we've all seen a lot of bad karaoke. So nobody has to worry too much. It's not like there's a piano player and this better be but good. all this pressure. Yeah. But I, if you keep me uh, posted on it, I'll keep the, the listeners and and everyone posted on my Instagram at The Bliss Minute on Facebook and on Instagram Thank at you. The Bliss Minute so we can let people know and yeah. what time it's starting and where it is and Great. all those wonderful details. Okay, so we have a song from yeah. this show. And all I know is people have said to me that have seen your show mm-hmm. that you are riveting, you are mesmerizing, and we're going to hear one of the songs. I, I put stuff in their drinks. That's why they think Oh, that's what that. did it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I mean, it's, you know... <laughs> People are just making stuff up. At this <laughs> no, point, I don't. So. Think, I don't think that's true because I've seen you perform. We're gonna we're gonna go to that clip okay. right now of you singing "Steam Roller" from your show. Well, I'm a steam roller, baby. I'm bound to roll all over you. I'm bound to roll over you, just not right now. (laughs) Well, I'm sorry, I'm cracking myself up here. Some sweet rock and roll and shoot you full of rhythm and blues. Okay, so the two, I'm, I was interacting with the audience. I was like literally really bothering them. That's why I laughed. Like that. <laughs> so great. So unprofessional. Can you set up what, what were we like paint a picture with words of what actually we were seeing in that scene? Like, yeah, this- I came from the back of the audience and I moved up through the audience. <laughs> And I laid back on one guy, like oh really, it was a good yoga move. You would have loved it. And then, uh, you know, I stroke people's hair. I really annoy the wives, but wow. it's fun. And it's all, you know, there's nothing tasteless. That's so great. You know, so That's anyway, so it was really fun. Plus, I'm wearing my mother's trousseau rope from 1955. <sighs> and it's like hot pink, floor length really shiny satin so oh my if that goodness. helps you and there's lots of costumes in this and there's yeah, all lots kinds of costumes of props and there's costumes dancing and- there's boas uh, yeah oh, oh yeah say no more <laughs> and i'm adding something i think i might want to add something oh. which is a little percussion element that uh i have my eye on so that not not only will i be dancing and singing but i will also be making really cool sounds Ooh, I yeah not so with my stomach for once just like really cool sounds <laughs> with my feet so that's we're, what's we're, on on the december 15th yeah and can't wait for that that sounds so incredible um you know mag there's such a synergy between you and our next guest for years i've loved jen Loudon's self-help books most notably the women's comfort for, book i have my dog-eared copy yes right over it for those who are that's watching a on beautiful this beautiful book isn't this a yeah, beautiful book? absolutely I love beautiful this book and this one the couple's comfort book which i've read with cliff many many times for the last 25 years that would have helped me he's like probably. not the couple's comfort book again but i love this book it's so good don't bring and, 
write the book, honey. <laughs> Don't the book. What did I do? <laughs> we had a wonderful conversation recently with author, speaker, and personal growth pioneer Jennifer Loudon, who helped launch the self care movement. And here you are doing a one woman show called Self Help Cabaret. So it's so cool. So when we come back, uh, we are going to talk about that. I'd love to hear what you have to think about that. But here is my interview with Jen Loudon cool. right now. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by Create, Canada's leading fertility center for over 25 years. Create is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. Create is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, Create is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. Create has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? Create Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about Create Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Finding Your Bliss, a one-hour weekly radio show that helps people find and follow their bliss. I'm Judy Liebrack, and this is Zoomer AM 740 and FM 96.7. Having this next guest on is truly a thrill, as I have read many of her awesome books over the years, and I actually can't believe that I'm finally going to speak to her now. We are joined now by author, speaker, and personal growth pioneer, Jennifer Loudon, who helped launch the self-care movement with such books as my all-time favorite, the best-selling The Woman's Comfort Book, A Self-Nurturing Guide for Restoring Balance in Your Life, and The Couple's Comfort Book, A Creative Guide for Renewing Passion, Pleasure, and Commitment. She's also the author of The Pregnant Woman's Comfort Book, the Woman's Retreat Book, Comfort Secrets for Busy Women, The Comfort Queen's Guide to Life, The Life Organizer, and A Year of Daily Joy. There are about a million copies of her books in print in nine languages. And she's going to tell us all about her exciting new and upcoming book in this interview today. She has spoken all across the U.S., Canada, and Europe. And she even was once a guest on The Oprah Winfrey Show. Jennifer, welcome. Oh, Judy, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Jennifer, what inspired you to write this book? And how can all of us, women and men, learn to activate our inner nurturing voice? Mm. Well, I wrote this book at the tender age of about 26. <laughs> so it was first published in 1992, still in print. And I had no idea how to take care of myself. I knew how to drive myself. I knew how to want to be somebody different than I was. I knew I was very familiar with shadow comforts, which is my term that Brene Brown has quoted a couple of times in her different books for the things that we do in the name of self-care, self-nurturing, self-kindness that actually make us feel worse. It's not what we do. It's how it makes us feel. So I knew how to do all that, but I had no idea how to nurture myself. So I think it was my psyche coming up with saying, hey, you're kind of addicted to work. You're young. You want to be somebody. Here's a way to, to figure out how to be kind to yourself and help other people. And it turned out uh, to help me probably as, as much as everyone else. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Are there any tips that stand out for you the most that you still utilize today in terms of self-comfort or does it change from time to time? Yeah, I think the one that, that 
I mean, gosh, it's been such a long journey. But I think for me, it's the idea of shadow comforts and really keeping my pulse on them. It's not that they go away or that they're bad or they're wrong. You know, when we're stressed, when we're grieving, um, when we're worried about the planet, you know, we're going to easily turn to shadow comforts. But I'm much more aware of them. I'm much more likely to either give myself too much popcorn and really enjoy it instead of, you know, being furtive about it or beating myself up. And then I'm much more likely now to check in with myself and ask myself the great question, what do I really want? What am I really desiring? What would really fill me up or calm me down? Yes. When you say shadow comforts, how are you using that word? What do you, what do you mean exactly? Yeah, so it, again, it's not what you do. So one night you could read, um, you could watch five episodes of Netflix and it could be really comforting to you. And another night you watch it and it's completely numbing you out. It's making you feel farther away from yourself, more stressed depleted. So it's how it's what it's not what you do, but it's how it makes you feel. So you can eat a piece of chocolate and it can be, oh my gosh, that was so delicious. Or you can eat the entire chocolate bar and not even taste it and feel awful afterwards. Right. So it's that way of check it's the way that we check in with what are my deep desires? What would really fill me up? How can I be compassionate to myself? We need self-care. We usually need a lot more than we're giving ourselves, but we're often unable or unwilling or afraid to give ourselves what we really want because we think we'll never stop, we'll never get off the couch, we'll become selfish, you know, all of these other stories we have. Right. Would you say mindfulness is part of this? It sounds to me like it's is part of it just being mindful of when you're having that chocolate to really enjoy it? Well, I do. I mean, I have had a meditation practice since I was little. My issue with marrying mindfulness with self-care is for some people, it starts to feel like a should. Mm-hmm. And so what I like to think of is presence, inquiry, and I love to tap into wonder. I wonder what I really want. I wonder what would be nurturing me. Let me try this for a little while and see how it feels. Oh, it's not doing it for me. Let me put let me let me trust myself enough to put that down and try something else. I remember when I first read the woman's comfort book about 20 years ago, you mentioned somewhere in the book find your favorite childhood books mm-hmm. read them and i love that i thought it was so fantastic and i'm thinking of a particular book right now it's called all of a kind family and it just gave me such comfort to reread that book and i just thought what a wonderful suggestion that was i know i love that and you know it's actually become a thing like adults have book clubs where they read you know, maybe not picture books, although sometimes, but they might read, um, you know, young adult books and discuss them. There's, and there's also been research that's very comforting to go back to books and even childhood TV shows. There's something, our brains seem to think that they're like familiar people. So there's a reason why you might want to, you know, watch um, Mary Tyler Moore reruns. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the best, especially yes, the last episode when they were all in the huddle. Yeah, <laughs> I love sorry. that one. You have wonderful suggestions, Jennifer, for comforting ideas. And I love your comfort kit suggestion and even better, your comfort bag as a gift to someone else. Can you describe what goes into a comfort bag? 
Well, a comfort bag would be the things if you're giving it, if you're making it for yourself or to someone else, of course, it just depends. But if for someone else, it would be what are the things when you think about this person in your life, this friend, this sister, your mom, that they might be able to carry with them that would really help them remember to take care of themselves, help them in stressful moments, uh, give them a, a moment of pleasure. So it's just, it's a theme gift, if you will. And, and it's really dependent on who the person is. It would be very different if you were making a comfort bag for me than if I was making it for you, I imagine. Sure. Sure. But I have to say, I, I love the way you've evocatively described it in the books. So I'm so excited for people to read it that haven't read it yet because it, the description just gets you excited just imagining all those wonderful things. You are also very masterful at reminding us to make lists like a hundred things that make you happy. And I've done that many times, by the mm. way, since reading your book, you call it a joy list. And as a life coach, I often suggest this to my clients. When you're feeling a little blue, make yourself a joy list. And you know, on those days when you're not feeling at your best, read it over. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm wondering if you talk a little bit about that joy list and also the love list and why writing down everything you love about yourself even can really fill you up on days when you need it most. Well, we have something which you probably all have heard of many times called the negativity bias. So our brains evolve to look for what's missing, what's wrong, what's threatening, and focus on that and make it much bigger, much scarier, much more daunting than it really is. So making a joy list, a gratitude list, the things you love about yourself, things you love about your partner, it allows you to put the focus on what is here, what is good, what is working. And that part of our brain needs help. It needs encouraging. It's there. It's hardwired into us, just like the negativity bias, but it needs work to sort of come online. And again, when we're stressed, when we're tired, when you're not sleeping, when someone you love is ill, we need extra help to remember what's good. That's so fantastic. What a wonderful suggestion. So another book, and I showed this to you at the beginning on our uh, at, when we started the interview, The Couple's Comfort Book is a book that I have shared on many occasions with my husband. And I think it's an absolute treasure for couples. What is it exactly to comfort your partner? And what are some of your favorite reconnecting suggestions? Well, for, for, for me, writing that book, it was about realizing that a uh, relationship is a third party, if you will, a third entity, if that's not too weird of a word, that when we're committed to someone, that relationship becomes a third thing that we need to nurture. And I think that alone is a really interesting idea because, uh, you know, all of us who have been in long-term relationships know we go through these times and we we really don't like the person we're partnered with, (laughs) right? You know, you can say to your best friend, oh, today's a good day. I like him or her again. (laughs) Um, So... This idea that, that that we can put our own feelings aside sometimes and think about what would be nurturing to the relationship. And it might well be something directly we do for the person. For example, in my marriage, m- m- helping my husband to feel safe mm-hmm. is a big, big issue for him. And, you know, I won't go into his you know past, anything like that, but just being able to say to him, I'm here, you're safe. I love you. I'm not going anywhere. And sometimes when I don't want to do that, because really I'd rather poke him, <laughs> I'd rather like do something to you, like get one up on him. I can think of the relationship. There's this third thing that yeah. nurtures us both, that holds us both. Yes. And would you say, I love that you said that because I, I really connect to what you're talking about. 
would you say that being outward focused is very important in a relationship to sort of, you have to remember that you exist, obviously, but to be outward focused and to always be mindful of that other human being and, and, and what their insecurities are and their, you know, their fears. And just as you described about your own, your own situation. I do. I do think that it's a, it's a, it's a dance and it's a dance that definitely we're always working on um, between our own needs and the needs of the relationship and the needs of the other person. And what I see sometimes with women is that they don't consider their own needs enough and they get lost Mm -hmm. and then they get resentful. So we have to really be checking in with, am I being directed outer directed? Am I thinking about this third entity called the relationship or my partner or my children? Why? Like what, like where's, where am I in this equation? And for some of us, it's like, no, no, I have no problem. I know where I am. I know how to take care of myself. And for others, it's a way that we hide from our own desires. Mm-hmm. That's so true because we, we focus so much on the other person that mm-hmm. we're not addressing. So you're right. Dance is a beautiful way to describe it. I love the exercise where you tell your partner five things you love about them and vice versa. What are some of your favorite tips for couples? Oh, gosh. I, I think having time that is undisturbed to check in with each other where you don't interrupt each other. This is a real favorite for mine. And sometimes it's hard for me to get my husband to do it. But he has a tendency, he's a super bright guy, and he has a tendency to, you know, start telling me something he knows or trying to fix something that's going on. He tries, he's working on it, he's gotten a lot better, but but if he's stressed, then that happens. So really saying, okay, for the next 10 minutes, you know, using the timer on the phone, you know, I'm just going to talk about what I'm, what's going on with me. And I just want you to listen with your whole heart, no multitasking, no looking at the phones. And, and then I'll do the same for you. And then we can discuss things if we want, but no, nothing needs to be fixed. That's one of my favorites. Oh, I love that. I want to do it tonight. <laughs> Good. Yeah, me too. Me too. In, in writing the couple's comfort book, you also write that it helped both of you rededicate yourselves to maintaining a conscious connection every day if possible. I love that. And as my husband left for work this morning, I told him we have to make a conscious connection every day to connect. So he kissed me goodbye and he said, we're connecting, we're connecting. Yeah. <laughs> and it can be that simple. Like, you know, my husband will be hurrying or I'll be hurrying. I hurry a lot more than he does. And I'll be like, okay, no, stop. Let's just look into each other's eyes. Like last night he had a big work thing happen. It, it, it's all okay now, but he was really riled up. And a big project he's been working on, he works in the environmental world, um, was being put in danger by someone within the organization just because of their own silliness. And um, and he was really riled up. And I just stopped. And I looked, after he told me and processed those, I just, you know, I looked in his eyes. I got up in his face. And I said, I see you. I'm so proud of you. And he kind of shies away. And I'm like, no, really. I'm so proud of you. You're so fierce and you're so right. Oh, I love that. I love it. <laughs> Fantastic. So moving gears a tiny bit here, I just wanted to ask you, as a life coach, I often meet clients who are creative beings, but are Mm -hmm. totally stuck and unable to move. They're almost paralyzed, unable to move, and they want to reinvent themselves and Mm -hmm. do something they love, but they struggle with finding out what that is Mm -hmm. and how to even create something. Do you have any suggestions for what to do with that, that feeling, now or never feeling in terms of creativity, identity, truth, desire, and voice? Well, oh my gosh, I've written an entire book about it that comes out next year. <laughs> I have a lot to say about it about 
245 pages, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, here, <laughs> I'm just doing the final edit. Here is my nutshell for this. I think most of us have not learned how normal this juncture in our life is and how multiple times we come to a place where we're stuck and what's missing is being able to feel the desire for what's next, not knowing exactly its form. We are so caught up in form and outcome in our culture, in most Western cultures. And what the book is about and what I would suggest for people who are listening now is what can you do to begin to ignite a feeling of juiciness and desire and wonder in your life, not about exactly what you're going to do or what it's going to get you. First, we have to get that desire going. And then what's next tends to follow. Maybe not exactly the way we want, but in a way that brings us alive. I believe that life never gives up on us. We give up on life. We get in the way. And so it's about how do we get out of the way and trust that there is goodness here. There is juice here. There is ways for us to be fulfilled. The book is going to be called Why Bother? So what fuels that desire? What fuels that? Oh, my dog is barking in the background, y'all. I'm so sorry. Hopefully uh, my, that, sweet, that sweet husband that I love so much will go stop him from barking, but I don't know. Um, he's usually up here with me when he's fast asleep. Um, so what, I'm sorry, can you ask me the question again? Of course. Of course. So the, the new book, coming out next uh, next year in May, May 2020, is called Why Bother? And I'm just wondering, what do you do to fuel that desire? Mm. Well, again, wrote a bunch about it, but some of the key pieces are, are there's stages to bothering again. And the first stage is, is what do you need to leave behind? So you mentioned identity. That's a big one for a lot of us. One of the reasons we get caught in these natural transitions is we hold on so tight to who we think we have to be. This is the way our brains are wired. We're really attached to our self-concept. But one of the ways we begin to let room for that natural desire that we really can trust in there is can we pry off a little bit of our attachment to our identity doesn't happen overnight isn't easy by any means it can feel really frightening i i've had times when i've had to let go of an identity and felt like i was gonna die Mm. so i'm not suggesting it's easy but it's one of the things to think about but we might have to leave behind some of our stories of i'm too old or it's too late or i'm too ill or I don't have enough money, or I have to do these things to make the money. And if I don't do those things, I'm going to die alone and penniless. So we start to look at what's in the way that's blocking the flow of that desire. That's the first stage. Yes, that's fantastic. What are some ways that we can recognize our value and be ready to be seen and make those desires a reality? Mm, well, that's actually the last stage of why bother out of the six of these <laughs> And I think it's one of the ones that we most lack in our current culture. We have such a high uh, epidemic of loneliness in the United States, in the UK, um, in other uh, Western uh, countries. And so I think the first thing we have to do is realize it's a human need. I mean, at my retreats, it's, I, I weave in so much of this and it's so powerful for people to be seen. So allowing ourselves to share with people we trust and it's super important that we trust them so it could be our loved ones it could be a friend we really want to be careful who we choose here to see us desiring to see us experimenting to see us saying i want to do that couch to 5k mm. and and 
just being raw in our desire to get off the couch and go do it. Or I really want to learn to write a novel. Yes. Again, and notice this isn't about the outcome. I want to have an incredible body and have everybody love me. Or I want to write a best-selling novel. That's how we get in the way of desire. But allowing ourselves to be seen in the raw wanting. Oh, so powerful. So powerful. I love that. You've been teaching, not only, so you've written at, at eight books. And as well, you've been teaching retreats and leading workshops since 1992 and creating vibrant online communities and learning experiences for the last 20 years. What drives you to do this work? And what, what are some of the rich and evocative learning that has come out of this? I think as much as I'm a writer, I'm also a teacher. And so I'm driven to create experiences where I get to connect with other people and really show them that giving up that despair, that the dark side of why I bother, they're choices and we can make different choices. Mm-hmm. So for me, the evocative experiences are anytime there's a light bulb in someone, anytime someone e- emails me a year or two or five years after they've worked with me in some capacity and says, you know what, I, I still I still think about that thing you said, or, mm-hmm. you know, I use that tool again to do this new thing. I mean, that, that's amazing. Oh, I love that. What are the three most important things to Jen Loudon and what is your bliss? Mm. Uh, I, I think my bliss is, is learning and teaching. It, it's reading. It's being outdoors. It's running up a mountain. Uh, it's being alive. I can really say that what I've captured in this new book from my own journey was coming through my own many dark times, many why bother times, and coming out the other side and knowing really deeply that I bother about being alive, about being here as present as I can my family for sure. We have grown kids, but, uh, you know, loving them, staying in touch with them, my husband, um, the climate crisis, being an active participant, a joyful voice in helping us avert, um, more suffering and more loss of species and habitat. And then, um, being, being a light against despair. Uh, You really are that light. And you really are a person who has really been a trailblazer in this whole area of self-care. And, and I just say thank goodness for people like you on this planet because you make the world a better place. And it's really been wonderful to have this time with you on Finding Your Bliss. Thank, oh, you, thank you, Judy. <laughs> thank, thank you for joining us. It really was great speaking with Jen Loudon. She is so much fun, and she really makes you believe that anything is possible. Thanks, Jen Loudon, if you're listening. We really enjoyed hearing that. Mag was writing notes. I uh, I took a lot of notes. You know, desire is really hard when you're used to saying no to yourself. I think that's a really good one. And the other thing is we don't realize how normal it is to get stuck from time to time. My stuck lasted 10 years. Yeah. That's yeah. not fun. But I I love when she says ignite a feeling. Where's the juiciness? Where's that feeling? And yeah. when you and when you have that, you know, that desire, that passion, that purpose, go for it. Just go for it. It'll yeah. all make sense later. Do the rough draft. Do yeah. the, you know, do the sculpture, even if it's not perfectly, you know, um Yeah. 
it's a message from your painted. from your spirit. It yeah. that little hit of juice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's so great. So the number to call if you have any questions for Mag is four one six three six zero zero seven four zero or toll free one eight six six seven four zero four seven four zero. We have had quite a fair number of emails and as well um, Instagram messages that Mag has received and that I've received. I'm going to read just one very quickly. What a comedic actress! Hi, Mag. What a comedic actress! <laughs> You are. I caught your one-woman show, and I was completely mesmerized. You could have stood there with a bag over your head, and I'd still be entertained. Where do we get more of you, and how do you do what you do so well, Arlene? So, <laughs> she said that. So, um, and there's there's a bunch more coming up. But if you'd like to call three six zero zero seven four zero, and we're gonna go to break. And again, I'm gonna tell you when we come back, we're gonna do. We're going to talk about Anna Green Gables and Anna Avonlea and the Tool Girl and many, many more things when we come back. And we're going to also hear the song Bernadette that made me weep when I heard it eight or nine years ago. So we will be back in a moment after this short break. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.